On today's show, we discuss the NBA's plan to return, the best path for top high school talent to reach the NBA, and if Dak is worth what he wants from the Cowboys. This man was a bona fide scrub. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome back to the Bonafide Scrubs podcast. We've appreciated you reviewing and rating our show if you're listening on Apple Podcasts and for following us on social media. Okay, so the NBA is nearing a plan to resume its season in Disney World, and it appears a timeline has been presented to teams around the league. So Keith Smith on Twitter, he tweeted out what he says is a rough timeline that was mentioned to him from a team exec. So the timeline goes... In early June, the teams return back to their facilities. Mid to late June, camp begins. Early July is the travel to a single site. I assume that would be Disney World now that they've established that. Mid-July, the games begin. Labor Day, the season ends. Mid-September would be the draft. A week later is free agency. And Christmas time would be when the next season begins. So, Noah, do you like this plan? And do you think... uh, when do you think they'll actually uh, officially release it? I uh, Well, if they're going to be back in the uh, facilities in early June, I assume the schedules will be coming out around that time, while, while in training camps in mid-June also. So it's going to come out around then. I feel like the league is going to establish how many regular season games they're playing because they need, seven, they need to play at least 70 to – get the full, uh, almost the full contract for each NBA player. And it looks like they're going to be Yeah, I think it's, um, I think they need to play 70 games for the local broadcasting contracts to be fulfilled. Yes. So I guess they will need to start a reg- at some point in the regular season again. They can't just skip right to the playoffs, which seems like it would be a smarter decision. It would save them a lot of time, but I guess they do need to fulfill these regional contracts for broadcasting. So with about like what, uh, if they're going to play 70 regular season games and each team, let's say they need 10 more games, do you think it's worth it for uh, crappier teams to bring back all their players or even their best players? Like let's say, for example, the Wizards, they're out of the playoff race, it looks like. What would would it be worth it to bring back Bradley Beal or their star players or something like that? I don't know. I wonder if you know some of those players, whether they're stars or not, will hold out and say, you know, forget this. I, my team, well, we're not competing for anything. We're just there to basically fulfill a contract. So I don't know if they'll, I don't know if they'll have the choice to say like, nah, screw this, but I wouldn't be surprised me. It wouldn't surprise me if eventually once this became an official uh, proposal that some players would start holding out. Yeah. But yeah, teams like the Timberwolves, like Cat. I don't know. I think a lot of young players actually they want to play and they want to get their uh, contract. Since a lot of these players don't make that much, a lot of young players that are on a rookie or rookie deals, or like Trey Young, like he's not making that much. I, I think he's kind of sick of just sitting in his house, and he wants to play the last ten games and just like get some workouts in. I think that that'd be good for them. Right. I mean, it would also. It'd probably also be a bad look for some of these players to not come back because we've seen it in the MLB, certain players complaining about having to start the season and the safety precautions. So uh, we've seen how that's turned out for them. So I wonder if the NBA, the NBA players will look at that and realize, 
okay, yeah, we'll just bite the bullet and come back 10 games, whatever. You know, that's not that hard to do. Yeah, teams that are absolutely dead like the Knicks, um, I'm going to be watching those regular season games. They're probably going to lose all 10 of them or whatever they play. But I'm excited for that. Uh, as a Knicks fan, I'm looking forward to the draft in mid-September. That's kind of interesting during the NFL season. Never. And a week later is free agency. Yeah, it's going to be really crazy how uh, the next season is going to overlap with you know the start of the NFL season and baseball. You know, base, um, mid-September, getting into October, that starts the baseball playoffs. So if the MLB can get going, you know, all these sports are going to all sort of peak at the same time. And it's going to be, we went so long with no news and no nothing interesting going on. We're all, we're, it's going to happen all at once. So that's going to be kind of, it might be overwhelming, but also exciting. Yeah. I also read somewhere that in the Disney facilities, there's going to be games starting at noon and like playing all day since there's only a few gyms open. So it looks like we're going to see like maybe seven games in a day, five, six games in right, a day. Right, like a, like like a, a first weekend NCAA tournament. Yeah, that could be very wow. interesting. But then again, I don't know. I mean, the TV ratings should be good because there is no basketball happening and there is no sports. So I feel like fans will be inclined to watch their favorite team play in a summer league gym, even though it may seem kind of boring, but with no fans. Yeah, I don't know if it'll be boring. I don't think I don't think people necessarily watch at home, obviously for the fans, but when, when that starts coming into play will be obviously the NBA playoffs, NBA finals. We'll start to yeah. see that to have an effect and see you know, there'll be no home court anymore. Yeah. There'll be no traveling. So uh, the time will, will be pretty condensed. And you know, even if we get like a, a great historic moment in the finals, there's going to be nobody, nobody there live to watch it. So it's going to be pretty interesting to see uh, how that plays out. Yeah, in general, I just think that the NBA is handling this really well. They after the coronavirus, the Gobert thing, that they shut down their league and all the other leagues followed. But it looks like we're going to be they're going to be playing games in July, which is great. And it doesn't really affect next season as much as you would think, because the season starts on Christmas in December, which also is very good for TV ratings starting around that time when everyone's on vacation or at home. And the lockout season that we saw happen, what was that, 2011 season? Or 2012, 2011, 2012. They played 66 yeah. games, and it looks like players, they were fulfilled their contracts fully there. And I just think that the NBA is handling this well, and we're going to get through this year with a champion and all the other things done. And the next season's going to start in Christmas. And then we'll go back into next year, and then – when the 2021-2022 season starts, it's going to be back to normal, like nothing happens. So the NBA well, is doing a good job there. Do you think that they should, they should keep, keep the schedule, start the season on Christmas normally? Like every single year? Yeah, every single year. They, this is the new schedule from now on. Uh, no, I don't think so because 82 games is better than starting Christmas. I feel like starting Christmas is kind of late. Well, no, it would still be 82 games. It would just... Oh, well, when, when, it, would, when, it would open Christmas, would whatever then. week. It would open Christmas week and then end... I don't know, how long is the NBA season normally? How many months is it? Uh, five months? From October no, to April? It's more than six months. But I don't know. I mean... It's, it would be... If it goes from October to June, it's nine months. You would count for the finals. 
Yeah, I was just talking about regular season though, but yeah, I, I don't know. I just I just like the NBA starting in October. That's when baseball is wrapping up. The NHL is starting then. It's just good to get the NBA's uh, foot in there and start playing. Waiting till Christmas every year. That's interesting, but I don't know. I'd rather just start in October. Mm-hmm. For for now, well, it's good that they're starting uh, the next season in December, it looks like. Right, so I guess we'll have a shortened year next year, obviously, if they start on Christmas. Yes. Don't keep this format. So Joe Ingles, one of the Utah Jazz players, uh, one of his tweets got resurfaced, and he did say that apparently he said this two months ago to an Australian uh, press. He said, I'm prepared to walk away, fly to Australia, and never play another game in my life and be very content with it. But that was when we had a lot less information about the coronavirus, and he debunked this uh, tweet. He responded to people who were bringing this up and it looks like he is ready to play and follow all the protocols. The NBA is making sure that everyone will be safe and it looks like Ingles is going to be happy to play and earn his contract. Right. Yeah. His team is going to be in the playoffs. That's why I brought it before that, you know, will teams that are playing for essentially nothing will certain players have that mentality now, even though, you know, we've learned a lot since, Ingles made his initial comments. I don't know. I, if I was an NBA player and I needed to play 10 games and I wasn't going to make the playoffs, I don't see why I would want to you know, go through whatever protocols they're going to need to go through with testing and screening and traveling, all this stuff, just to basically play for nothing. I don't know. I don't know how other, how real players are going to feel about that. Well, the NBA is essentially saying you got to play there in your contract. That's just the reality of it. And I think we're going to see all the teams back and be playing. And they're going to be happy to get their money because they already lost like 25% of their contract, I believe, up until this point. They, they lost a lot of money. So I think, especially the playoff teams, they have an incentive, a real incentive to play because they're in the playoffs. They want to win a championship. Well, of course, yeah. And that helps their reputation and money too. Yeah. I mean, those players, they, NBA players don't get paid for the playoffs anyway. So, yeah, they don't. I mean, they're, they're only going there to, to compete for a championship. Yes. Which is the best part about the sport. So I, the NBA wants that to happen. And it looks like we're going to see that. So things, things are moving on in the NBA, but in the MLB, that doesn't seem to be the case as the players and owners continue to basically uh, to clash against each other for uh, when and how they will start the season. We have no timeline for that as we do for the NBA. And I wonder, I wonder if we're going to have an MLB season this year. I think we do end up having one. If the NBA and NHL they are going to, especially if the NFL, because the NFL, if you think about it, there's 53 players on each roster. So that's 106 players, not counting all the water boys, media people, uh, reporters, cameramen, coaches, everything. So there's a, this is a large gathering. And if the NFL is going to happen, I don't see why couldn't the MLB attempt to play and same with the other sports the MLB needs money too I don't think baseball players all want to sit out a season 
Well, in the NFL, the players tend to cave to what the owners want more often than I think probably in any other, any of those four sports. So I think it'll be, I think the, the players and owners in the NFL are on the same page. And I think by the time we get to September, whenever the NFL season is going to start, I think they'll have most of the stuff worked out, but with baseball, they kind of have to, they have to get on the same page with each other first, which is a hurdle that the NFL and the NBA and these other leagues, they don't have to, they don't have to worry about. Yeah. I do think they will get on the same page and I don't know when spring training is going to happen. It could happen in June, but the season, it looks like it could start in July if they uh, come to an agreement soon. Just like, so we'll see baseball, the NBA, and hockey with their 2014 proposal all playing in July at the same time. Right. What, do you know anything about that 2014 proposal? Like, a, Is that they're just going to leave out seven teams from coming back? I'm not – I don't know. I haven't read enough into that, but it seems like they want – I don't know. Maybe seven teams aren't agreeing to uh, what the NHL wants, but. Is it a 2014 uh, playoff or is it just 24 teams returning in general? It looks like only 24 um, maybe want to return. I don't know. I haven't read all that completely yet, but which is weird. I mean, why would they leave off seven teams? It's, it looks like with the NBA, we're getting all the teams back and it looks like the players are going to agree to whatever the right. owners and protocols say. So, Okay, so with all the NBA uh, talk of the season coming back, obviously the incoming players still have, they have their own decisions to make. Well, well, not playing in the NBA, but a lot of high-end basketball prospects are choosing the G League over college or going overseas. We saw Jalen Green, the number one shooting guard and the number one player in the nation, class of 2020. He's going to the G League to get paid and work out with NBA players and G League uh, players. Same with Isaiah Todd. He decommitted from University of Michigan, which hurt Michigan fans, but he wants money. And, and a lot of these players are starting to believe that the G League is better preparation than college basketball. What, what do you think about that, that a lot of these players are dissing college? Well, I think, I, think, um, I think the NCAA is a little bit nervous about that because – they obviously passed their rule to begin uh, allowing college athletes to get paid. So I think they're starting to see the trend and notice it. And they are, they need to get out in front of that as uh, you know, these, these top prospects move from uh, just seeing sort of one path to go to a top university. And with the basketball players, you know, there's the G league MLB players already forego their, their college eligibility to to enter a, a minor league system. Yeah. So I think the trend is is headed towards much more even where players um, commit to these minor league minor league systems over going to college. I believe only in California actually they decide they want to pay their college athletes. But I don't, but I don't think they're I don't think with that proposal that they're actually giving them a salary yet, right? Because No, they're not. I think it it allows endorsements and Yeah, I think that's party. fine because does Zion really need uh that money from Duke? He probably got handed some money under the table and like he drove so many ratings up and he would get be able to get endorsements in college. I I think top players 
um, maybe they'll be more inclined to stay in college or go, in, or go to college from high school. But, but with the NBA recently, well, I know they've been talking, not recently, but the past couple of years, but they want to hopefully bring back getting drafted out of high school because we see them will be do this. And the NBA, they had this actually for a while. We saw Kobe get drafted, Kevin Garnett out of high school. And the NBA wants to bring this back because there's no point in being in college for a year. Like the NBA had that plan for a while, but then they canceled it because they felt like players weren't ready or they were becoming busts or whatever the reason was that David Stern decided to cancel that part. But it looks like now, I mean, athletes are better than ever today. They're getting uh, NBA trainers already working with them and stuff. And they're playing pickup games with NBA players. Like we, I saw a YouTube video. Lamella was playing with Trey Young, Siakam, and all these players in just an LA gym. So NBA, so players out of high school are better than ever. Like Zion, do you really think he sh- he uh, could have should have went to Duke last year? I don't think so. He he's averaging twenty two points now. What what does a year with Coach K do? Like, yeah, if I'm the NCAA, I would be pretty nervous about this because the NBA basically holds my fate entirely they could decide that you know our to enter the league you don't need to go to college or you don't need those those years of experience somewhere else before you get picked up by an NBA roster so I think they sort of need to act now in terms of allowing players to get paid and incentivizing them to go uh, to a college program or else uh, the NCAA is going to suffer in terms of basketball I think yeah, that, that year of college is worthless to a lot of players, but I do and I do enjoy seeing one and done prospects tear up the NCAA, like Trey Young, for example, or Zion and RJ. But like it does help with the ratings. I don't think ratings will drop too much because college basketball, it's ran by the blue bloods and they'll always find kids that want to play more than one year in college. I mean, even even if uh players will maybe maybe uh high school prospects might want to still go to college. And play under play a year or two years under a Hall of Fame coach such as Bill Self or Coach K or Roy Williams, get that extra experience, and then enter the league and get their pros, uh, their contracts. Right. I think if they're I think if, if they're getting paid, it'll certainly help them make that decision. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, I think the trend for the NCAA is good. I think they need to continue. If it's really only in California, they need to expand that pretty quickly before. Um, you know, the NBA and these other leagues basically get out in front of them. It might be in uh, a few, we might be a few years away from people getting drafted at a high school. Again, uh, Ronnie James is a freshman or he just was a freshman. He finished the year, but looks like his draft class or the year before him might be the first draft class. We'll see. You can get drafted at a high school. They might bring that back. So that'd be 2022 season. And honestly, would you, if you were a top high school prospect, Will, what do you think you would do in this situation? Would you go to the G League, even though it seems kind of boring? Well, I mean, well, it wouldn't be boring as you're playing basketball, but like, you don't have the same hype around you as if you were playing for a College of Blue Blood for a year, let's say, and on national television. Yeah, I think I've got to measure all my options and see, you know, will the, will the college exposure and will the college, the hype around college, uh, propel my drive class even because that I think if you know these players that have great runs in the NCAA tournament and 
things like that that boost their 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 stock a lot. Definitely. So it's just a matter of getting noticed in the G League and getting noticed overseas versus versus a, a college program. Yeah, I think if I was a top high school prospect, I still think I would end up attending college for a year because it, it just it, you're going to look better if you're playing against college kids. You're going to look better because if you play go to the G League or an Australian Pro League, you might only average eight points and be like a bench player. Like, But you could be the man potentially of Duke or Kentucky or Kansas. You can show off on national television. And as you said, the, the tournament could propel your stock. But the G League, I feel like we saw players, they could get lost in the shuffle there. Like Darius Baisley, he was the five-star recruit for Syracuse. And he decided last minute, I'm not going to Syracuse. I'm going to the G League to get paid and try to get an endorsement. So he did that. He ended up being, I don't know, I think he was a first-round pick for the Thunder. But now he's just, he's just like a bench. He's just a rotation player. He doesn't play that often. And it maybe it hurt his stock. And maybe if he played at Syracuse, he would get a better contract and teams would think more highly of him and play him more. But I don't know. Yeah, I think you got, I think you got away uh, money now and exposure now. And I think one, one could lead to another in a sense. Yeah. So I think that's the, uh, that's the equation these players have to figure out as they, as they make their choice. Yeah, with LaMelo Ball, if you're as big as him, it really doesn't matter sometimes because we all know, we've known him for about four or five years now. We've heard his father talk. We know about Lonzo and uh, LiAngelo. So LaMelo, if you're as big as him, it really doesn't matter some, sometimes with the exposure because every NBA scout is going to be at his games in Australia. He, he had a pretty solid year. RJ Hampton was another player, obviously not as popular as LaMelo, but he was a solid player for a Australian team. He averaged about eight points. I don't know. Maybe his stock would be better if he played uh, in college because there was rumors he was going to go to Kansas. So maybe he would have averaged, obviously the coronavirus happened this year, but maybe he would have averaged like over 15 points and maybe he could have been considered the number one pick. We don't know what the exposure, but it's just some things that athletes really now have to think about. Do they want the money? immediately to help their families or whatever situation they're in or do they want to take a not like a backseat but learn and take more in from a college coach and have fun with have more fun because college is a fun experience it's it's probably more fun being playing for a college team than it is for a g league team like nobody talks about right i think if you're looking at a player like lamello he got exposure, money, and he still played at a high level. So I think yeah. if you're confident in your abilities like that and you're on a level like uh, we've seen LaMelo Ball, I think that that's when the G League overseas option will work for any of these young prospects because you know it didn't really hurt him. Is He's going to go top five. And uh, you know would he be the number one pick if he went to college? I don't know, but he, wouldn't, he still wouldn't have gotten... Uh, he wouldn't have gotten paid and he's playing against, I would think higher level of competition playing in uh, those leagues that he ended up playing in, as opposed to like a college league. Yeah. The thing about these, the G league and Australia or wherever you play, maybe in Europe or Asia, these leagues have a lot more competition than college basketball, because if you play for Duke, 
you play college teams and half the teams you play aren't good. Like they get to, they play like Evansville sometimes or like really bad conference teams and Duke, those teams would would not be able to be uh, professional league teams. And so it's good for LaMelo and players like that and Jalen Green per se. They are going into a professional environment. It's like the NBA. They practice every day. It's like their job. They're they're around veterans. They're gonna they're gonna learn to have, be a family with, with the team in the locker room, and they're gonna be getting paid. So like, if you are bad, then you're gonna be on the bench. Your coach is not gonna play you, and they're fighting for minutes with a bunch of thirty year olds that are very motivated to get their con- next contract. So it's it's a it's a very uh, interesting dynamic. Yeah, you got you got to grow up a lot faster if you're gonna play. Yeah, in a professional league as opposed to in college, you don't get the kind of slack that a college coach will give you, and you, you basically are playing against, uh, you know, grown men NBA competition. So, I think yeah. that's that's really the diff. That's one of the main differences. I would I would say. Yeah, Lamelo when he was playing Lithuania, he didn't play all the minutes he wanted in the world. But if if he went to a college program. They're almost forced to play your five-star recruit almost. Like Coach Cal, when he gets someone like Tyrese Maxey and he's not playing well in practice, he might sit him for five minutes to start the game, but he needs he, – Coach Cal wants to win and they need, they're more incentivized to get that money uh, for, for Coach Cal. So he needs his five-star recruits to show up and play well. Yeah, those college teams <clears> – <throat> They don't have as much depth as a, a professional league team. So, yeah. you know, when you have a five-star recruit, that's going to be your best player. And, you know, regardless of if they're, they're performing well or have a bad attitude or whatever the case may be, you still got to play them because you got to win. Yeah. And, G uh, League or something, it's always next guy up. So there's a lot of G League players dying for a job in the NBA. And if Jalen Green isn't good, let's say, and – he's not doing well in a starting role. Like there's going to be another guard. They're just going to find it doesn't matter what your rank is once you get out of high school almost. So there's always a next guy up. There's people that are trying to get those jobs in the NBA. They're putting their life on the line and yeah. So the story at the forefront of the NFL news recently would be Dak Prescott's five-year $175 million contract that he is apparently not happy with. This would be the richest contract for a quarterback in the history of the NFL. And uh, it really would be Dak's biggest win of his career if you look into it. I don't think he's really... He Was he a one playoff win? Yeah. I don't think he's really... If, he, if he's going to get a deal like this, I think this is the best he's going to get. It's the best that's ever been offered to a quarterback. And I think that you know him being unhappy with it, whatever. I think he wants what forty-five million in the final year, and that's what he—that was his proposal. So I think I think that's just a waste of time. I don't think he deserves to be able to uh, sort of uh, complain about the numbers. I don't think he has any leverage to complain about it, being that he hasn't really won anything or have anything to show for it. So I think if he's this is the best deal he's going to get, and I think he should just accept it for as it is. Yeah, this is a great deal. He's going to be getting paid uh, basically more than Russell Wilson, and he's not, he's probably half the player Russell Wilson is. But so with Dak, he's getting a monster contract. I don't know why they waited this long because 
it's it's insane to me that they paid their running back before him. They let Zeke uh, leverage against them, and they gave him six years, ninety million last year. I don't know why. Like it, when when Zeke was complaining, they should have just traded him and threw him out the window because you cannot pay. A, it's it's pretty egregious to pay a running back ninety million for six years. They made him I think, way more than Todd Gurley paid. I think that that scenario is part of the reason why Dak feels like he can he could reach for for even more after being given this offer. Because I mean, he's probably talking to Zeke. They're probably they probably know that if they push hard enough, that they're going to get what they want, and Zeke certainly accomplished that. I think the difference between that and Dak is that Zeke really got market value. I think that another team would have paid him the same amount if he had really held out or whatever the case would be with that. But I don't, I don't think Dak would get this kind of offer anywhere else other than Dallas. I think, I think he just needs to accept it for, for what it is. Yeah. He's in a great situation. The Cowboys have really good offense. They're bringing in a new head coach. Like they were one game away from making the playoffs last year. I mean, why would you not accept this and try to go to maybe a worse situation? You, you should accept this. And you're getting paid more than a lot of players. Maybe you are worse than so. Yeah, he he's definitely going to get paid uh, way more than a lot of other players with the similar production. The Steelers last year had same record, eight and eight. They basically platooned whatever it was, Duck Hodges and Mason uh, Rudolph. Mason Rudolph. Yeah, they they ended up with the same record, and you could also argue that the, that the Steelers are worse than the Cowboys. So I think that the fact that they were able to reach the same amount of wins with a worse team in a better division really shows that, you know, Dak hasn't done anything special. The Tennessee Titans reached the AFC championship with Ryan Tannehill and he got a new contract, right? I think, I think he's being paid a decent amount, but it's nowhere near the richest contract in the history of the NFL. Nope. And they were better and they, they made the playoffs and went far in the playoffs with Tannehill. The bears, Went eight and eight. Also, they had Trubisky, which is the same record that Dak went. So uh, I, I think you like- really see that that the market value for a player like Dak, you know, it really it really doesn't come anywhere close to to what he really accomplished. To what you said about Ryan Tannehill, obviously he was pretty solid in those playoff games. But do we do we really think? I mean, I think if Dak was the Titans quarterback, they could have reached the same spot because they just gave it to Henry every time and it worked. I mean, Ryan Taylor had a good year. Don't don't get me wrong. Mariota was horrible at the beginning of the year, which made them switch to Tannehill. I mean, he he did earn his contract down the stretch. I'm not going to lie there, but I think Dak's a much better player than Ryan Tannehill at this point. Dak's right, but I think the same, case, the same case can be made with Dak that can be made with Tannehill is that their running backs really are the bulk of their offense and without, I mean, there's all those arguments that without Zeke, you know, what is Dak? I think the stats, the stats might show for it. I don't know how really, how solid that is, but I think if you're going to, if you're going to point out how uh, effective Henry was, you got to point out how effective Zeke is and what that does for both of their quarterbacks. Yeah. Obviously a running game is the quarterback's best friend, but they paid Zeke so much money. Like thing with you at the point you attested to with Henry helping Tannehill, Yes, Zeke does help Dak. A running back is a quarterback's best friend. But they gave Zeke, they paid him before Dak. 
and they paid him the most money, even though I think they would be fine. They should have just traded Zeke, in my opinion, for a bunch of picks. And they like Tony Pollard a lot. And I, he, had a, he had a good rookie season last year. So I think I don't see a difference if they have Tony Pollard in there as opposed to Zeke because their, off, their offensive line is so great. And that this, this offense is really dynamic. The, the Cowboys actually averaged the most yards per play last year. So, Will, if I told you that a quarter – if I blindfolded you and I told you this quarterback has 97 touchdowns to only 35 interceptions in his first four years, what would you say to me? I would think that quarterback is pretty good and that you should probably pay him. Exactly. This is after his fourth year. I mean, okay, so he had an EA year this year. That that was that was not a good year. But he's had Jason Garrett as his coach, and he's put up some good numbers. They led the league in yards for play. They went 13-3 his rookie year. Zeke was amazing. Dak was good. They had a really they have a really good team around them. So the situation Dak is in is great. So I don't know why he wouldn't take this contract. Right, yeah. Yeah, back to what I was saying before, that they really just don't have any leverage, or he doesn't really have any leverage to to use against this deal. It's the best deal that any quarterback has ever gotten. Yeah. Be making the most money uh in the NFL. I don't think, you know, whatever he's complaining about the final year, whatever the case may be, guaranteed money, I don't know. I don't think it's worth it when you're already going to be the highest paid and you basically haven't you haven't gone anywhere in the in the postseason. Yeah, not many quarterback, not many teams are in need of a quarterback if you think about it. Dak's going to be in the best situation. This is the best situation for him. Would you say, well, that he's do you think he's a better quarterback than Jimmy Garoppolo? Because Jimmy Garoppolo set the market really high with his recent contract last year or two years ago. I don't know. That is funny that you bring that up. Because they really, I mean, they really serve the same purpose for their team. The teams run, they rely mainly on their run games. I think the 49ers defense is a lot better than yeah, Jimmy defense, is a better, which, pro- uh, which probably is the reason why the 49ers uh, were a much better team last year. But I don't know. I, I think, I think if they're going to pay him more than Jimmy, I think he should just accept that. Definitely. I, I think he's a better player than Jimmy Garoppolo. He's younger too. Like Jimmy, he did nothing to earn that contract. He played a few good games for the Patriots and then he tore his ACL when he got his contract. Like he did play well this year. He got them to the Super Bowl, but a lot of people could say, I mean, he didn't even, it was just like Tannehill. He, he, he kind of sat in the backseat and let the run game, the defense do its job. I think Dak is a better quarterback than Jimmy Garoppolo because Jimmy didn't even do anything to earn that contract so why would Dak if Dak feel like feels like he's great then he's he's definitely earned the money I would say he's played well for four years Jimmy we had one year of film would you say that Dak is a better quarterback than per se Phil Rivers who just got paid decently by the Colts uh yeah definitely I think Phil Rivers he had a terrible year last year and uh well, that that contract is going to be going to be ten million more per year, and yeah. Rivers also only signed a one year deal. Yeah. So I think there's some there's some differences there, but yes, I would think I would say that Dak is a lot better than Rivers at this point. 
what about compare the big uh, Big Ben? Because he's second on this list. He's getting $34 million per year. In my opinion, I think I'd rather have Dak for this season at this point in Big Ben's career. Yeah, the thing with Big Ben is how healthy is he? That's kind of been the question for him recently. I, I think maybe if you just look at pure talent, Big Ben might, be a, might have the edge on Dak a little bit, even at this point. But I think Dak's durability has been definitely a lot better than Ben at this point. And I think he deserves more. If you're going to pay a young player more, uh, he definitely would deserve it. Yeah. What about Jared Goff compared to Dak? I think I'd rather have Dak. Yeah, I, I don't know the the stats really. I think Dak is definitely in a better position, in a better system and better team than Goff. Um, yeah. So... Maybe that might have something to do with it. I don't know. What about uh, Mr. Tom Brady down in Tampa Bay signing his contract at 43 years old? Would you rather have Dak or Brady at this point? I, I think I might <sighs> give the slight edge to Dak. They're in similar situations. I think the history... Uh, well, if we're going to talk about who who has proven it, I think obviously, obviously it would be Brady. And I think that maybe that would give him some more value over Dak. Yes. But again... Well, Dak, Dak is younger, so I think you have to take that into account, the length of his contract. So maybe I would rather have Dak, but I don't know. For one year, maybe I would go Tom Brady. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Brady wasn't that good last year. Obviously, he had an inferior supporting cast than he does now, but I don't know. I feel like Father Tom's going to catch up to Tom this year. But if you think about it, Dak and Brady are in very similar situations. They both uh, are going to get $35 million a year or whatever. But the Cowboys and Buccaneers are very similar, I'd say. Their defenses are, are pretty decent, maybe average, maybe a little above average. But the Buccaneers, uh, they have really good wide receivers, just like the Cowboys. The Cowboys have Amari, Gallup, and Lamb now. And, but with the, with the Buccaneers, they have no offensive line, and they have no running game. And the Cowboys do have that. And, both the, and I think most experts and people would say, the Cowboys and Buccaneers both can go nine and seven and maybe make a wild card spot and maybe get kicked out after the first game. I th- I don't think I think that's they're pretty close those teams and I think Dak might have a better year than Brady. Would you rather have Dak or Baker? Um, probably Dak at this point because Baker, obviously, he had a number of issues last year. He threw a lot of interceptions. But I feel like I know what I'm getting with Dak compared to Baker. Baker was up his rookie year, down his second year. Dak, I feel like he's been pretty consistent with his numbers. And it's not always reflected on him, the Cowboys' success. Their defense wasn't that good last year. And you got to remember, he had Jason Garrett uh, as his coach for four years. And even though he had Jason Garrett as his coach last year, they led the NFL in yards for plays, I stated earlier. I feel like I'm getting. I feel like I know I'm getting from Dak. He doesn't turn the ball over that much. He has a good cast mm-hmm. around him. I, I could see it working better than Baker for this year and Brady. I think one thing that's worth mentioning for this uh, this discussion is that Dak versus uh, playoff teams last year, he wasn't very good. Week four at the Saints, only 212 yards, one pick, no touchdowns. They ended up losing. Week seven against the Eagles, only 213 yards, one touchdown, one pick. They won, but I think the rushing attack really uh, pulled them through that game. So week 12, 
at the Patriots, only again, only 212 yards, one pick, lost again. Week 16 at Philadelphia, two interceptions, no touchdowns, and they lost, which also was the game that uh, kicked them out of the playoffs. So I think if you're going to look at uh, Dak's success, you got to look at his struggles versus playoff teams last year, especially. Yeah, Dak, he didn't play well against playoff teams last year. But is everyone, everyone's forgetting that Tom Brady didn't either. You know, he lost to the Ravens. He lost to the Texans. It looked like every team, every pretty good team, Brady did not perform well. You could say, well, his supporting cast wasn't good, blah, blah, blah. He had a great defense, Brady. That's what propelled them last year, as we all saw. And he didn't play well against the Titans. At this point, like Dak and Brady are, are both similar, I think, for this season. And... We'll just see who's a better year. I think I give the slide to Dak, as I said before. I think he'll have more yards. Dak, do you think Dak without Jason Garrett will be better than Brady without Bill Belichick? Because it's the opposite effect on both of them, I would think. Well, with the with the pandemic happening, it's going to be hard for new teams to get into a groove in the season, and they're losing valuable time in camp meeting with their new coaches, getting ready with their, their playbook and all their new players and everything. Dak with well, his coach is Mike McCarthy, right? So, and Brady's yeah. is Bruce Arians. Arians is probably, I would, I, Arians is probably the better coach. I would say at this point, it's going to, I feel like they're both going to have their struggles and they're both going to have their highs. So it's not out of the realm of possibilities that they both maybe miss the playoffs or maybe both barely get in. So, We'll just have to wait and see what happens with both those teams, but definitely it's the expanded. It's the expanded playoff struggle. format this year, also, right? Yes, there's seven teams. Yeah, so I think that's definitely going to help both of those teams probably um, in order to reach the playoffs. Yeah, they could both. I mean, and like the Eagles, they made it splash this offseason acquiring Darius Slay for like a bag of chips, but the Cowboys they added Lamb. They did lose Byron Jones. I think that's a pretty big loss for them. But the Eagles and Cowboys NFC East, it's a, it's a two-team race. So either of them could win. And in, like, the last 10 years, the same winner the year before, like, didn't repeat. So the Eagles won last year. Maybe that could favor the Cowboys with the way that luck or whatever goes. Mm-hmm. They both play in the NFC. The Bucs, they don't have an easy schedule. Neither do the Cowboys, really. So it's just – it's pick your poison with Dak or Brady, but – Dak needs to accept this contract, get to camp, and prove that he's worth this money this year. This is since he got well, he got paid. If he gets paid, he's got a lot on his plate. He has a good roster around him once again. A new coach that like that's probably arguably better than Jason Garrett. So we'll just have to wait and see if Dak can propel this team above the Eagles because that's what they need to do right now. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna put the pressure on him, uh, especially if they reach this deal. And they get going. The season starts on time. Everything's fine. It's really going to be on him uh, in order to definitely make the playoffs, win the division, and everything you need to do as a top-paid franchise quarterback. So with all this talk about the NFL season happening and if we think Dak's better than Brady or whatnot, the NFL, so this tweet by Tom Palacero on Twitter that the clubs are up to, are receiving uh, rule changes in the proposal. 
and it looks like instead of an onside kick, you can go for it from front. It would be fourth and 15 at your own 25 yard line. And it looks like the idea is growing and people like that idea. And you can only do this two times a game, by the way. So you can't just like do it every time. I think this is way better than an onside kick. What do you think? Yeah. So this is, this is, uh, you know, after, after a score, after a touchdown, whatever they go and they just, instead of kicking the ball, it would be just run a play from the 25. Yeah. I think, I mean, I think that's exciting. I think the likelihood of that, that, uh, being completed is a lot higher than an onside kick. Yeah. But we, so we I think never see onside kicks anymore. Right. So I don't know. I don't mind it. It's good that they set a boundary too with this rule because you can only do it twice a game. And if you could just do this like every time, then it'd be kind of point that'd be kind of interesting, kind of stupid actually. But so fourth and 15 from your own 25 yard line. And it's not, it's, 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 it's definitely hard to complete. It's fourth and 15, but it's better than onside kick to me. If my team's down two scores, like why not try it in the fourth quarter? Yeah, it's going to be interesting because the NF, the newest NFL rules that were put into play this season, whether it's the reviewing pass interference, stuff like that, doesn't really go well when the NFL tries to change too many things. So I think, I think this is a little bit different than that. I think it might be, you know, maybe more fun, more exciting, but I don't know. I'm not opposed to it. Yeah, I, th- I think it's fine. It doesn't hurt the game in any way, shape, or form. So, Thank you for listening to this episode of the show. Please leave a rating and review and follow us at Bonafide Scrubs on Twitter and on Instagram at The Bonafide Scrubs. Thank you.